Chapters five and six of A House of Gentlefolk by Ivan Turgenev, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter five Christopher Theodore Gottlieb Lem was born in seventeen eighty six in the town of Chemnitz in Saxony. His parents were poor musicians. His father played the French horn, his mother the harp. He himself was practicing on three different instruments by the time he was five. At eight years old, he was left an orphan, and from his tenth year he began to earn his bread by his art. He led a wandering life for many years, and performed everywhere in restaurants, at fairs, at peasants' weddings, and at balls. At last, he got into an orchestra, and constantly rising in it, he obtained the position of director. He was rather a poor performer, but he understood music thoroughly. At twenty-eight he migrated to Russia, on the invitation of a great nobleman, who did not care for music himself, but kept an orchestra for show. Lem lived with him seven years in the capacity of orchestra conductor, and left him empty-handed. The nobleman was ruined, he intended to give him a promissory note, but in the sequel refused him even that, in short did not pay him a farthing. He was advised to go away, but he was unwilling to return home in poverty from Russia, that great Russia which is a mine of gold for artists. He decided to remain and try his luck. For twenty years the poor German had been trying his luck, he had lived in various gentlemen's houses, had suffered and put up with much, had faced privation, had struggled like a fish on the ice. But the idea of returning to his own country never left him among all the hardships he endured. It was his dream alone that sustained him. But fate did not see fit to grant him this last and first happiness. At fifty, broken down in health and prematurely aged, he drifted to the town of O, and remained there for good, having now lost once for all every hope of leaving Russia, which he detested. He gained his poor livelihood somehow by lessons. Lem's exterior was not prepossessing. He was short and bent, with crooked shoulders and contracted chest, with large flat feet and bluish-white nails on the gnarled bony fingers of his sinewy red hands. He had a wrinkled face, sunken cheeks, and compressed lips, which he was forever twitching and biting, and this, together with his habitual taciturnity, produced an impression almost sinister. His grey hair hung in tufts on his low brow. Like smouldering embers, his little set eyes glowed with dull fire. He moved painfully at every step, swinging his ungainly body forward. Some of his movements recalled the clumsy actions of an owl in a cage, when it feels that it is being looked at, but itself can hardly see out of its great yellow eyes timorously and drowsily blinking. Pitiless, prolonged sorrow had laid its indelible stamp on the poor musician. It had disfigured and deformed his person, by no means attractive to begin with. 
but any one who was able to get over the first impression would have discerned something good and honest and out of the common in this half-shattered creature a devoted admirer of bach and handel a master of his art gifted with a lively imagination and that boldness of conception which is only vouchsafed to the german race lem might in time who knows have taken rank with the great composers of his fatherland had his life been different but he was born under an unlucky star he had written much in his life and it had not been granted to him to see one of his compositions produced he did not know how to set about things in the right way to gain favor in the right place and to make a push at the right moment a long long time ago his one friend and admirer also a german and also a poor had published two of lem's sonatas at his own expense the whole edition remained on the shelves of the music shops they disappeared without a trace as though they had been thrown into a river by night at last lem had renounced everything the years too did their work his mind had grown hard and stiff as his fingers had stiffened he lived alone in a little cottage not far from the kalitin's house with an old cook he had taken out of the poor house he had never married he took long walks and read the bible and the protestant version of the psalms and shakespeare in schlegel's translation he had composed nothing for a long time but apparently lisa his best pupil had been able to inspire him he had written for her the cantata to which panshin had made allusion the words of this cantata he had borrowed from his collection of hymns he had added a few verses of his own it was sung by two choruses a chorus of the happy and a chorus of the unhappy the two were brought into harmony at the end and sang together merciful god have pity on us sinners and deliver us from all evil thoughts and earthly hopes on the title page was the inscription most carefully written and even illuminated only the righteous are justified a religious cantata composed and dedicated to miss elizaveta kalitin his dear pupil by her teacher c t g lem the words only the righteous are justified and elizaveta kalitin were encircled by rays below was written for you alone für sie allein this was why lem had grown red and looked reproachfully at lisa he was deeply wounded when panshin spoke of his cantata before him chapter six panshin who was playing bass struck the first chords of the sonata loudly and decisively but lisa did not begin her part he stopped and looked at her lisa's eyes were fixed directly on him and expressed displeasure there was no smile on her lips her whole face looked stern and even mournful what's the matter he asked why did you not keep your word she said i showed you christopher fedoritch's sonata on the express condition that you said nothing about it to him i beg your pardon lizaveta mihalovna the words slipped out unawares 
you have hurt his feelings and mine too now he will not trust even me how could i help it lizaveta mihalovna ever since i was a little boy i could never see a german without wanting to tease him how can you say that vladimir nikolaitch this german is poor lonely and broken down have you no pity for him can you wish to tease him panshin was a little taken aback you are right lizaveta mihalovna he declared it's my everlasting thoughtlessness that's to blame no don't contradict me i know myself so much harm has come to me from my want of thought it's owing to that failing that i am thought to be an egoist panshin paused with whatever subject he began a conversation he generally ended by talking of himself and the subject was changed by him so easily so smoothly and genially that it seemed unconscious in your own household for instance he went on your mother certainly wishes me well she is so kind you well i don't know your opinion of me but on the other hand your aunt simply can't bear me i must have offended her too by some thoughtless stupid speech you know i'm not a favourite of hers am i no lisa admitted with some reluctance she doesn't like you panshin ran his fingers quickly over the keys and a scarcely perceptible smile glided over his lips well and you he said do you too think me an egoist i know you very little replied lisa but i don't consider you an egoist on the contrary i can't help feeling grateful to you i know i know what you mean to say panshin interrupted and again he ran his fingers over the keys for the music and the books i bring you for the wretched sketches with which i adorn your album and so forth i might do all that and be an egoist all the same i venture to think that you don't find me a bore and don't think me a bad fellow but still you suppose that i was the saying would sacrifice friend or father for the sake of a witticism you are careless and forgetful like all men of the world observed lisa that is all panshin frowned a little come he said don't let us discuss me any more let us play our sonata there's only one thing i must beg of you he added smoothing out the leaves of the book on the music stand think what you like of me call me an egoist even so be it but don't call me a man of the world that name's insufferable to me ancio sono pittore i too am an artist though a poor one and that i mean that i am a poor artist i shall show directly let us begin very well let us begin said lisa the first adagio went fairly successfully though panshin made more than one false note his own compositions and what he had practised thoroughly he played very nicely but he played at sight badly so the second part of the sonata a rather quick allegro broke down completely at the twentieth bar panshin who was two bars behind gave in and pushed his chair back with a laugh <laughs> no he cried i can't play today. it's a good thing lem did not hear us he would have had a fit lisa got up shut the piano and turned round to panshin what are we going to do she asked that's just like you that question you can never sit with your hands idle well if you like let us sketch since it's not quite dark 
Perhaps the other muse, the muse of painting, what was her name, I have forgotten, will be more propitious to me. Where is your album? I remember my landscape there is not finished. Lisa went into the other room to fetch the album, and Panshin, left alone, drew a cambric handkerchief out of his pocket, and rubbed his nails and looked, as it were, critically at his hands. He had beautiful white hands. On the second finger of his left hand he wore a spiral gold ring. Lisa came back, Panshin sat down at the window, and opened the album. Ah! he exclaimed i see that you have begun to copy my landscape and capitally too excellent only just here give me a pencil the shadows are not put in strongly enough look and panshin with a flourish added a few long strokes he was forever drawing the same landscape in the foreground large dishevelled trees a stretch of meadow in the background and jagged mountains on the horizon Lisa looked over his shoulders at his work. In drawing, just as in life generally, observed Panshin, holding his head to right and to left, lightness and boldness are the great things. At that instant Lem came into the room, and with a stiff bow was about to leave it, but Panshin, throwing aside album and pencils, placed himself in his way. Where are you going, dear Christopher Fedoritch? Aren't you going to stay and have tea with us? i go home answered lem in a surly voice my head aches oh what nonsense do stop we'll have an argument about shakespeare my head aches repeated the old man we set to work on the sonata of beethoven without you continued panshin taking hold of him affectionately and smiling brightly but we couldn't get on at all fancy i couldn't play two notes together correctly "'You'd better have sung your song again,' replied Lem, removing Panshin's hand, and he walked away. Lisa ran after him. She overtook him on the stairs. "'Christopher Fedoritch, I want to tell you,' she said to him in German, accompanying him over the short green grass of the yard to the gate. "'I did wrong. Forgive me.' Lem made no answer. "'I showed Vladimir Nikolaevich your cantata. I felt sure he would appreciate it and he did like it very much really lem stopped it's no matter he said in russian and then added in his own language but he cannot understand anything how is it you don't see that he's a dilettante and that's all you are unjust to him replied lisa he understands everything and he can do almost everything himself yes everything second-rate cheap scamped work that pleases and he pleases and he is glad it is so and so much the better i am not angry the cantata and i we are a pair of old fools i am a little ashamed but it's no matter forgive me christopher Fedoritch, lisa said again it's no matter he repeated in russian you're a good girl but here is someone coming to see you good-bye you are a very good girl and lem moved with hastened steps towards the gate through which had entered some gentleman unknown to him in a grey coat and a white straw hat bowing politely to him he always saluted all new faces in the town of o from acquaintances he always turned aside in the street 
that was the rule he had laid down for himself lem passed by and disappeared behind the fence the stranger looked after him in amazement and after gazing attentively at lisa went straight up to her end of chapters five and six